0: Money, it affects our everyday life. But how do we make more of it? Manage it and make sure we make the most of our money. Welcome to Money Mindful, a podcast to teach and support you as you learn to manage your money.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money Mindful podcast. I am your host, Megan Jean Smith. I'm a money mindset and life coach for women. I help entrepreneurial women create their money and life goals. So today we are going to be talking about the language of our bodies. What? Okay. So listen up. Have you ever felt that you think you know? about creating your goals, about how to reach them, but it's still just not quite happening. It could actually be your primitive response to certain triggers and situations. So these responses in our body are unconscious and they're they're locked in. So when you start understanding that your body has its own idea what is safe to do and what is not safe, you open yourself up to a whole world of possibility. So this work is some of the deepest I have done in regards to healing old money stories. And it's, it really tackles our limitations to reach our goals from a whole different angle. So my intention for today's episode is for you to go from having no idea about what the heck I'm talking about in regards to our body and our nervous system to having a basic understanding about what it is, how it our affects our behavior in relationship to money and why it's so important to learn about. So I'm super excited to introduce you, um, introduce to you my guest today, We've got Nancy Weinert on the show. Nancy's actually a colleague of mine. She's a certified life coach with an MBA. She has run a successful industrial company for 15 years. And then she completely changed course and became a life coach. And her mission is to help people reconnect with their authentic selves and help them to help themselves overcome the fear of making big decisions and doing hard things, which I totally love. And today she's on the show to share with you about how to begin to understand how your body may be holding you back and how you can start to become aware of your own responses and what you can do to move forward. So this is really awesome stuff to talk about and I am so excited to welcome Nancy on the show.
0: Nancy, welcome! Thank you. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. This is great. This kind of deep this deviates
1: a little bit off what I normally talk about on the the show, but the work that I have learned from you is so relevant to being able to move forward with our goals. And I just, yeah, I wanted you, I wanted you on the show. I want you to tell my audience all the things. So maybe do we want to start with just, do you want to introduce yourself?
0: Um, yeah, sure. I can give a little um, introduction. So um, I was born in Australia to Canadian parents and we went back and forth a couple of times. So growing up, it was difficult for me. Like I felt I didn't belong anywhere because I wasn't really Australian. And when I went back to Canada, I wasn't really Canadian. So I just kind of was floating around. Um So I kind of grew up as a bit of a shy and timid, um, nervous person, and that always showed up in, you know, the way that I was showing up. Fast forward a few years, and as you said, I um, had a business in the industrial sector for about 15 years, and eventually I just wanted to change and to do something for myself. So I found coaching And I walked away from the business. And this is where it got interesting for me because I was really struggling to gain momentum in life and in the business and with where I wanted to go. And I had all these tools and I had so much knowledge, um, but I still wasn't moving forward a lot until I discovered the nervous system and this work. And I discovered that I was pretty much stuck in survival for most of my life. And when you're in survival, you can't create. So I wasn't taking the action I needed. Decision making was really difficult for me and I wasn't really enjoying my life. So as soon as I discovered this, I just dived straight in. I studied it. I learned everything I could. And now I'm in a place where, you know, I'm not based, um, decisions aren't based on fear and living isn't based on fear um there's more abundance i'm enjoying i'm creating so that's what i'm doing now is helping my clients do the same so they can kind of move out of that survival and into the creation of their life
1: okay so let's talk about this what do you mean by being in survival mode like how does that how does that relate to our nervous system how does that show up in our life like what does yeah. that mean for
0: Yeah, so with our nervous system, uh, the nervous system is like about 500 million years old, give or take. And its primary, one of its primary requirements or functions is to help us survive. So when we are just enjoying our life, we're in a state of just creation and connection. But if there's a threat, our nervous system will alert us and then we go into one of those states you've probably heard about like fight flight or freeze and with society today we have so many stressors around us so we are constantly being threatened by maybe too many bills or you know kids aren't behaving or um, we've got financial goals that we're trying to achieve and it just seems out of reach so all of these threats are taken into our body and our nervous system perceives that as a survival threat so we're often living in that survival state of fight flight and freeze so our body is kind of trapped in that state yeah okay so let's
1: let's flesh this out a bit okay so for so if we if we get into this state, because the way that you described it, if we can get into it, if just from getting a bill or from the way that our kids behave, which I totally relate to um, Mm -hmm. what, how does that manifest for us? Like in our body, like what might that feel like? So for, um, for my listener, like how could they identify, how do they know if they're in this fight or flight or freeze mode? Can we talk? Can we sort of like talk it out a bit? Like what? What is the yeah. nervous system? How does it? How does it work? Yeah.
0: So this is where we get into the language of the body, <clears throat> and it's um, it's something that we don't really pay too much attention to. But we we probably all know what stress is like. You know that that anxiety and perhaps um, sweaty armpits or headaches or whatever it manifests as in the body, um, and so paying attention to your nervous system response is about listening to that language. So often we're told to just move forward or ignore it or just breathe it out rather than listening to it and seeing it as an important message from the body and acknowledging it and seeing what it's trying to tell us.
1: Can can you talk about, because I know you've talked to me the way that you described it to me when you talked about the gazelle on the field. Mm-hmm. Like that really resonated for me. I really understood what you meant. Can you give that example about the the way that our body moves through different states of being?
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's what most people connect with and, and it really makes sense. So if you imagine the gazelle is out on the plains and it's just happily eating its grass and it's in a state, we call it the ventral state. So it's in a state of calm, it's connected to its environment, it's um, connected to the herd, and its body is in a state of growth and creation. So this is when our digestive system works at the best, our reproductive system works at its best. Our cells are able to restore, heal, and create. And that is that that highest state that we're in. When, a cheetah comes along or something that threatens them. So you you see the gazelle, we've we've seen it in those shows. The gazelle takes off. And so it turns to a system of mobilisation, which is the sympathetic nervous system kicking in. And that's the fight or flight one. So the gazelle usually will just take off. So it is in flight. And the body at that stage... Shuts down the digestive system, the reproductive system, the create like creation and healing because in that moment it's so important for just to survive. And so all of the blood rushes to that, to those big organs in the body, and the cell is able to just take off. Now, if it gets caught, so that's the that goes from ventral to the sympathetic if the gazelle gets caught and we've probably all seen this and it happens the same with like a cat when it catches a mouse so the gazelle is there and it plays dead and so that is the dorsal state where it's just collapsed it's frozen it's sort of numbs out and then it hopefully the Cheetah will be like, oh, well, it's dead and it might let go. We've all probably seen that too, where, you know, the cheetah looks away, the gazelle gets up, runs off, and off it goes. So it's just been through those states. It went through the ventral, where it's connected and healing, then it goes to sympathetic, where it's in flight, then it goes to dorsal, where it just gets, it's in freeze. And we can often, if we start to pay attention, notice that we're often in one of those survival states because of the culture and the environment that we live in today. There is so much pressure on us to do all the things we need to do. And um, one thing that we don't pay attention to as well is that to complete that cycle, you've probably seen when the gazelle runs off, it kind of shakes itself off. And that's a physiological cycle that completes and then the gazelle goes back to eating the grass and it might happen all again. So one of the important things to notice is that the animals in the wild are routinely threatened but they're rarely traumatised. And so as humans, we usually don't get to complete the cycle and that's where we start to have trauma building up in our life. And we start to condition ourselves around this and that's how we end up with our weird habits and, you know, odd ways of being and triggers that affect us. So when you start understanding that this process is happening with your body, the awareness of that helps you uh, firstly sort of acknowledge where you're at, but then also know that there is this ventral state that you can get back to. So just knowing all of that and having that awareness can make a big difference in how you approach life.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And this, I'm going to give it, I'm going to relate this to an example of money. And when I say financial trauma, I mean, trauma, we'll talk about this in a minute. Let's just park that word trauma for a sec. Cause I want to, I want to, dive into that a bit more but so sometimes like i've had clients who have come to me with financial trauma and that sounds so dramatic when you say fi- financial trauma but it's not like they're not i'm not talking about being in dire straits like these are corporate women they're earning plenty of money but because of things that happened when they were younger like for example what they how they were brought up or The experience that they, how they learn about money from their parents, for instance, that it's like they're in that sympathetic state that you talked about, like that fight or flight, like they're in that constant survival mode with money, like not wanting to invest money or not wanting to let money go because, it, and you tell me if I'm on the right, because I think I'm on the right track here. And, but it's, it's, it's like it's unconscious, you know, like they don't even need to be in that fight or flight mode, but it's like they've never had the chance to process it, like shake it off, like you said, like the gazelle does. And so they're, they're still living that experience, even though, even though it's not, um, it, they've got plenty of money now, you know, it's like, they're not in a state of being in survival and, and not having enough money, but when bills come in and things like that, it's still triggering for them in the sense that, oh, there's not enough, even though they earn, you know, plenty of money. Like I, when I learned about this work from you, it, Fired off so many connections for me about how people show up in terms of the thought work. Like when people are coming from that place all the time of being in survival mode around money, like even when you have plenty of money, there's we can still be in a survival mode around money. What I mean, what are your thoughts about this, Nancy?
0: Totally, yes, totally. Yeah. Um, And money is such an interesting thing because really, when you look at it, money today represents survival. Like we need the money to survive. So it's so triggering for our nervous system because we can't just go out and, you know, pick the berries or find something to eat. We need money to survive. So it's highly triggering and it can be like a transgenerational thing as well. So as you said, some of your clients have learned their lesson from their childhood, how important money is to survive. And they have a conditioning that builds around that belief that there's not enough and we need to have as much as we can. And that, as we said, like it gets locked in and it's never fully processed or addressed. So it means that they're going to have this mindset that, yeah, I need to get more money. And they've got that conditioning and the belief it's also because their nervous system and their body is stuck in that survival state and hasn't had a chance to even experience what abundance might feel like.
1: Yeah, So it's not
0: an option.
1: And that's that ventral state that you talked about Uh we, we, we need, like, a what's the word? A glossary to go along, <laughs> go along with this podcast.
0: Um, we do.
1: <laughs> but so that ventral state that you talked about being calm and in growth mode and creation mode, that to me is like being in abundance. And that's where I get my clients to, like, we to teach them how to access that place. And I relate to it as in the, sympathetic state when we're in fight and flight that's when we're in that survival scarcity mode where there's not enough and we have to survive and um but we can we can have shifts we can have transformation in the mindset and in the body and both you know like and i and now i've learned like through some of the work that i've done with you that you can make the shift in the body and that's enough or you can actually make the shift in your head and that's enough too but if the body hasn't made the shift then that's like the missing the missing piece like the missing link when we when we when we find totally. we're not shifting out of something like yeah. even though we understand intellectually yeah
0: yeah totally yeah and that's what i have called it's like the missing piece to Um, how you can, you know, like what's holding you back. So we can create a new story and have a great new mindset. But if we're pasting it on the top of an unsettled nervous system, it's never going to really stick. So we've got to address that area of the body as well. So I'm wondering, can you give an example
1: of what it looks like, how you address it?
0: Yeah. So like we talked about the language of the body and most of us know about a written, like our written language. So we, some, the words we speak and the, we write them and we hear them and we read them. And we're also aware of our feelings. So we're often aware, like I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm angry. The language of the body is something we don't often pay attention to. We might, we'd be like, my heart's racing or you know I'm sweaty or there's some tension. And so what I do in my work is really pay attention to the sensations that come up when you're triggered. So sit with the trigger and just see what comes up. And the way I like to think of it is this is the message that your body is giving you about this situation. And it's so important for us to listen to it because we often don't address it. So if you're trying to, you know, do something new or do something hard or achieve a goal, then if your body is freaking out and it's in survival and you don't listen to it and address it, it's going to be very hard to move forward. And that's why it's so, you know, goals seem so hard sometimes because the body is holding us back. So that is... um, really listening to those sensations and letting the body process it all the way through and honouring the message because, as I say, the nervous system response is always appropriate to the situation because your nervous system is just there to try and protect you. And so it's important that we listen to that and then nurture it and get it to a place where it can... um, be more in the ventral state. So, yeah. So I work with really paying attention and having the the client pay attention to the sensations that they're noticing in their body and seeing what comes from that.
1: Yeah. It's such powerful work because like, well, I, as you know, I've done sessions with you and, and paid attention to some of those, uh, sensations in my body. And it's, It's really, I'm sort of reluctant to use the word magical, but it's magical. It's so amazing when you just let your body talk, like listen to the language of your body and let it be heard. And it's, I find sometimes like when I've done a session with you, it's, I do that gazelle shake off you know, it's like, oh, shaking it off. I mean, not literally, but it, it, but it feels like that's what occurs. And my mind doesn't have to fully be up to date with everything that's going on. I can just let my body do its thing, which I find so different and not an area that I'm used to operating in. I mean, because with coaching, I mean, you work with clients on their feelings, how they feel and how they feel in their body, but you're still connected with the thoughts around why you feel like that, uh, but this work I think just takes it to a different level. But anyway, before I go off on track, I wanted to address with you this word trauma, because mm-hmm. for me, when when I whenever I used to hear the word trauma, I thought of like somebody's head gaping open with a massive gash in it or something like a major injury or, you know, someone's had some serious psychological horrible stuff happen in their childhood or, but trauma actually doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I I feel like I've been processing my own trauma, but it's certainly not like that. Like, can, can you talk about how you describe trauma? Cause I remember you saying it once and I can't remember what you said, but it, it made it a lot more sense to me in terms of like letting lessening the, uh, the dramatic yeah. effect of the yeah word.
0: Yeah. Trauma is such a scary word for us. Like you said, we think it's going to be some major thing or a catastrophe or a disaster, but trauma can be um, caused by even the smallest of things like just falling off your bike or, if you had to go to the doctor when you're small, had to be held down, that can result in a trauma. Um, something that happened at school where you something that was, you know, threatening that you weren't supported through. So trauma is not the actual event that happens. Trauma is when you're left alone with the hurt that you feel about the event. So it can happen for so many reasons and for so many things so if you're not supported through it you can that can result in trauma and when you think about incidents that you may have had as a child we're often told you know sit still be quiet don't cry behave be brave and you know get over with, it and get over it yeah and we're not allowed to process what's happened. We're not allowed to sit with it. We're not allowed to acknowledge how our body's feeling. And that's when things become trauma, trauma a trauma. And then around that, we start to get conditioned beliefs because like, oh, well, I can't behave like this. And if I cry, I'm weak. And all of this conditioning starts happening. And the trauma then, as we because we never process it, triggers will come up in our life the same sort of situation they'll trigger us and we just keep repeating you know stuck saying stuck in that trauma so it's for me I look at I think we all have trauma even the smallest of things for example uh, one for me which I never even considered or thought about when I was at school at primary school I was in grade one and The teachers, I guess, must have decided to put me up to grade two and nobody told me about it. And I was sitting happily. I remember the day sitting happily just in grade one colouring. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm on top of this. I can write the words. And then the, the horrible grade two teacher came and she grabbed me by the wrist and pulled me into, and I was like normally a very compliant child. She pulled me, kicking and screaming, into the grade two room and sat me down. And I looked around, I didn't know any of the words, I couldn't write, I just was in a completely new environment. I didn't, you know, know any of the people. And it never occurred to me until recently what a trauma that was for me. Now, from that I can track back all my conditioning. I have, you know, I got a real reluctance to try anything new that I didn't know about because I felt so stupid in that class. And so I have that resistance to like, hey, let's try this. Like, no, if I don't know what it, how to do it, I'm going to feel like I did back then and I avoid it. Um, but my parents thought it was the right thing because I'd been complaining about, I don't know, a stomachache or something. And I said, let, I don't know how they deciphered that, but then they put me up and I stopped complaining. And from their point of view, that was the solution. But I probably I didn't complain after that. And so, you know, there was not a lot of complaining in my life. I just sort of put up with things. And so just from these little things that seem almost insignificant, we can it can result in trauma that impacts us for our life until we start addressing it.
1: A hundred percent. And I see it in my children now when my youngest daughter has a tantrum and you know, my first reaction is I just want to be, I just want to say, cut it out, like stop that, get over it. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. But from learning this work, one of the things that I've been doing is just sitting with her and letting her just rage, like letting her get it out. But then what happens afterwards is the emotional letdown, like the crying and she needs comforting and wants a hug and and then because now I let her do that, like I give her that space to just cry and, and let it out, it's interesting. I mean, it seems like it's going on forever, but actually when you look at the clock, it's like, oh, I've been in here for eight minutes with my kid. Like it's not even like a big deal. But, but she, I can see it. It's like she gets that shake off. It's like something happens. She's allowed, she has the actual space and safety to experience the emotions, process them in her body. And then it's just, oh, move on. Like she can, I can see her like literally like flip from just being crying and in my arms one second to the next second, like laughing and out, you know, off with her sister playing mm-hmm. again, like as if nothing happened. And it, it takes me back to that example that you told me about how the gazelle, they're constantly have threats, you know, that- that they that, if, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? That come up in their life that that, they mm-hmm. but they're not in this constant state of trauma.
0: And exactly. Yes. And that's such a beautiful gift that you're giving to her because you're allowing her to process all that and providing a safe environment for her to do that in. And we talked about the ventral state. Our body naturally tends to want, want to be there. So the body actually is very self-healing and it can find its pathway back to ventral. We, we all have pathways in us that take us back to ventral. And so what you're allowing there is for her to come back to that state of safety and process it all the way through. Yeah, so good, so good. So,
1: Nancy... We oh what I didn't mention is okay so the reason why I have Nancy on the show is that Nancy is actually running a workshop for my clients. I have hired Nancy to do a workshop for my clients, which is super exciting. Um that's coming up this week. And um yeah, where was I going with this? Um oh yeah, so Unfortunately, you as the listener, unless you're my client, you will not get to um, be a part of this workshop, but that's what you get when you're, when you're my client. Uh, but how can people find out more about this, Nancy? Like if somebody wanted to learn more about the nervous system and the way that you've talked about it today, are there any books or resources or where can people go if they want to learn more about it?
0: Yeah. So, um, Peter Levine is the one that I guess is probably the best one to go to. So he's got a couple of books called Waking the Tiger and Trauma Through a Child's Eyes. So he talks a lot about trauma and how to process it, how to work with it, what's happening in the system. Uh, He's like the father of of this kind of work. And I also recommend Deb Dana. She talks about polyvagal theory, and that goes more into describing the autonomic nervous system, which is those three states that we talked about, the ventral, the sympathetic and the dorsal. And she she goes into that. So I would recommend anything by her as okay. well. Okay.
1: And of course, if someone's listening and their eyes just glazed over when, when you said <laughs> the autonomic system or they're thinking what the heck can you just do can you just help me um how do people find you nancy tell us how to work with you how do we find you tell us all the things
0: yeah so i'm on instagram and facebook you can find me nancy wainert i don't think there's many nancy Waynerts in the world so won't be oh, i should come right up i'm also at nancy and That would be the best way to have a look and um, get in touch that way.
1: Amazing. And look, before we finish up, I usually ask my guests if they've got a tip or a mindset uh, or a belief or something that they do around money that they would be happy to share with my audience. Do you have anything like that that you would be willing to share?
0: For me, it's about practicing the feeling of abundance So noticing that my nervous system is in fear when money comes up and they, for so many of us, just the fear of not having enough. So soothing my nervous system and understanding that it might be in a state of lack and then telling the new story of abundance. Because when we're in abundance, that's when our thinking brain can switch on that state of ventral And that's when we can make the decisions we need to, we can accomplish our goals, you know, financial goals and make the right decisions for us. So practicing that abundance, because many of us haven't even felt what that feels like. We don't even know. We're always in lack. It's so important to have a taste of what abundance feels like in the body.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, 100%. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I am so thrilled that uh, you were able to come on the show too, because of course, I want you to work with my clients and teach them all the things. But in our conversation, I'm really grateful that you agreed to come on the podcast as well and share this information with my listeners, because I think it's really incredible work. and yeah, I'm glad they're getting an introduction to who you are. And yeah, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I wish I was coming to that workshop. I'll just let you know that it's going to be uploaded into my client portal. So if you're a client of mine in the future, you're going to be able to watch it, which is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks again. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Megan. Thanks for having me. So
1: I help entrepreneurial women create their money and life goals. And if this is you, if you want to create those impossible money and life goals that you have, I can help you with that. When you work with me, I guarantee you will learn the exact pathway to creating your goals so they are as good as done. Seriously, creating your goals can be easier than you think. And there are four main areas that can get in the way of achieving your money goals. And they are that they they have, they have haven't, it's like you haven't got the mindset that is in alignment with the goals that you want, or you have some icky stuff around money or not having a clear relationship with it. Or you don't have a pathway to stay on track and complete your goals. Or maybe you have doubt or lacking confidence in some area to do with creating your goals. So we address all of these obstacles in my coaching program so you can achieve your goal. I am currently taking on new clients. It's March right now when this episode comes out. I have spots open And I have spots available for you to book a consultation and meet with me. And you can tell me all about your goals, what you want to work on. We'll find out on the call, whether you're a good fit. I'll help you make a decision on the call, whether you want to work together or not from a really neutral space. And then, yeah, you get to learn all about how you can go about reaching these results that you want to create. So if this is you and you're super keen to work on really actually going for what you want in your life and creating those money and life goals, now's the time to book a consult. I'd love to meet you and work with you. You can go ahead and book an appointment on, the, on my website. Until I speak with you again next week, have an amazing week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Money Mindful podcast. For more info, visit moneymindful.com.au.
0: For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. And remember, the information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account your personal circumstances or goals. Please seek professional advice for your own financial needs. Remember to have fun along the way.